KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Padre fever is hitting San Diego, while a new soccer team is starting to make waves. I'm Matt Hoffman, and this is KPBS Roundtable. It's been a week to remember for San Diego sports fans. First, on a rainy night last Saturday, the San Diego Padres knocked off the Los Angeles Dodgers. And there was another big come-from-behind win, this time on Wednesday in the National League Championship Series against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Padres now find themselves knocking on the door of a World Series. And if that weren't enough, the San Diego Way Football Club They've made it to the semifinals in their league, the top tier of American women's soccer. And they're doing it all in just their first season, all while breaking attendance records along the way. And the play- KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. And the playoff madness continues this weekend, starting with the Padres. They're playing Game 3 of their best-of-seven series against the Phillies. That series is all tied up at one game apiece. But a big part of this story is seeing a long-suffering sports city being galvanized by the Padres, whether it's through a rally goose or by the Padres' rallying cry that we'll just refer to here as LFGSD. Joining us this week are Scott Lewis, he's the editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego, Jay Posner, he's the sports editor with the San Diego Union-Tribune, and Jay Paris is back with us. He's a columnist with Coast News up in North County and a contributor for USA Today. I want to thank you all so much for being here. All right, gentlemen, the first time in more than 20 years that the Padres have been this far in the playoffs. I want some quick first impressions. We have two J's, so I'm going to be doing last names. Jay Posner, what does this mean for the city? Well, I I was struck by your use of the term long-suffering because I I think that's very accurate for for what sports fans here have been through between the – Uh, all the times the Chargers got to this point and and couldn't follow through and the Padres not even really being competitive for a long time. And uh, it's it's been very exciting, you know, and then obviously the Chargers moving. Uh, So this has been very exciting for fans here. You know, I I think this city has always gotten behind sports teams uh, in general, but especially when we get to the postseason. I don't know if you know if you want to call it a bandwagon effect or, or what it might be, but people get very excited, very happy to be part of it. And that's definitely the case now. And I, I think uh, given especially what happened with the Chargers a few years ago, this has been a, uh, a welcome relief and a, a welcome cleanse of sorts for, for people. And we'll, we'll see if the Padres can keep it going. And Scott Lewis, are people jumping on the bandwagon? What are you seeing here? You know, I, I was there Saturday night uh, in the rain and uh, with everything going down. I've never experienced anything like that. And I think that when you have a stadium full of people, that's one thing. But when you have a stadium full of people who are all – totally engaged with the storyline and with what's happening. It is just a, it's an unreal experience. And, and I, I'll never forget it. I think that this city, you know, starting with the construction of the stadium has been waiting for all the parts to come together. And over the last six years in particular, the Padres have put piece by piece together. They changed the 
the color scheme as we you know bring back the brown they they changed um the stadium they re uh, did the scoreboard they did so many things to make the stadium a much more hospitable and and cool place they um and then they finally did the one thing we all said they needed to do since they rebuilt or since they built the stadium and that is invest significantly in players and so to see all of that come together as an enterprise seeks true excellence like that was just remarkable and i think everybody's really excited to see it work and uh that shared story that we all have when we watch the sporting event uh really came through and and the community out of it was uh was just uh something to witness and jay paris what are your initial thoughts here yeah, I, I was at the game uh, Wednesday, and you know they they get one hit the night before. They're down four runs, and uh, it was almost a, here we go again with uh, uh, a San Diego team vying for a championship. I know Jay Posner knows the old joke about the good Lord once asked uh, San Diego, "What do you want? Seventy-two degrees at the beach every day, or championship pro sports teams?" Well. <laughs> it's 72 today and heck we might have a championship sports team. So I, I just think the combination of them uh, really beating the Dodgers was, was unbelievable. And, and you hate to say that was their world series, but it felt like it. And the, the outpouring of motion to, to slay the dragon when, when puff went poof, uh, that was a big night in San Diego history. And can they keep it going? Uh, we'll see, but it won't be from a lack of support. And uh, you know, a few things galvanize a community like sports but even fewer things galvanize a community like a winning sports team. And that's what San Diego has right now. So you guys all mentioned that you guys have been to these games. Let's talk about the fans there. Some people are really just losing their minds right now. Here's a little taste of what it sounded like from a fan perspective when they tied up game two this week with the Phillies. Jay Posner, can you describe some of the playoff atmosphere at Petco Park? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I have the words to describe what we've seen uh, out there. I, I've been at all four games uh, last weekend against the Dodgers and uh, the two games this week against the Phillies. I, I, I felt like Friday night against the Dodgers was, was amazing, and then it's just gotten bigger. Saturday night, like what Scott talked about, just remarkable and, and the way the people came together and especially when it when it started raining and you know we've all been to events here where it starts to rain and San Diegans immediately look for cover you know nobody moved that night and the rain fell harder and and the the Padres put the uh, blink 182 song on the PA system and people sang along uh, with all the small things and it was it was just uh, it was one of those moments like Scott said I I, I won't forget it either uh, and I didn't think it could be topped, and I'm not sure it has been yet. Uh, Wednesday afternoon was close. With uh, There wasn't much to cheer about on Tuesday, although the crowd really did get into it in the ninth inning when the Padres had a little bit of a rally. But I think one of the things that struck me about the, the games this, these, on this, I called it a homestand because they played four games in a row, but the people got there early. And the people were in their seats when the game started. And if, if you've been to regular season games at Petco, you can never judge what the crowd's going to look like in the first or second inning. You need to wait till the third or fourth. People get there late. They're getting food. They're getting beer. These games, people are in their seats when the game starts. And it's loud from the beginning. And, and it's, it's, really, it's really great to see how, how people have gotten behind the team. And I, I think there's no doubt the team has, has appreciated it and you know, sort of played up to that. They, they did lose one of the games at home, but 
it wasn't for a lack of the crowd supporting the team, and you know we haven't heard any booing or any of that sort of uh, that sort of thing. So it's it's been a uh, it's been a remarkable scene out there, and you know we might have more games in our future here. Yeah, it's been interesting to hear a lot from the players saying how that crowd noise really amps them up and makes them just want to play even harder. And Jay, Jay Paris, that is, you mentioned a little bit of this earlier, but for some, the defining moment so far of this postseason has been the Padres beating the Dodgers. What makes that series clinching win so special for San Diegans? I mean, L.A. and San Diego have been going at it <laughs> economically after the war and before the war and, and just how has California developed. So there's always been that rivalry. But, but there's so many... Um, fingerprints from the Dodgers with the Padres. I mean, when I'm showing my age a little bit here, but I went to the very first Dodger Padre game, April 15th, 1969, final score 14 to nothing Dodgers. And so ever since then, they've kind of been, uh, you know, climbing uphill, if you will. But you got to remember the when the Padres started, Buzzy Bavese, the great Dodger general manager, was the Padre general manager. Uh, Johnny Padres pitched that first game against the Dodgers. He pitched the Brooklyn Dodgers for their only World Series win uh, in 1955. So there's all this little mixture, of you, if you will. And remember, the Dodgers are almost with 511 wins, almost 100 games over 500 against the Padres. That's a big margin. So anytime that the Dodgers or the Padre fans can chip away at that, I mean, even Steve Garvey, for gosh sakes, <laughs> he's a great Dodger, but he's he got his number retired. Well, uh, and let's, let's not forget the uh, current owner, the chair of the yeah, Padres now, um, Peter Seidler. He's what, the nephew of the uh, yeah. famous uh, O'Malley leader of the, of the Dodgers. I mean, he clearly wanted to show that he could build something himself down here and invested um to prove it and, and uh, i think there's you know, just the think there's just the general feeling about la in, among san diegans and it feels like the dodgers pers- sort of personify that and and they they bring out the the rivalry between the, it's sort of a one-way rivalry really between the cities i don't think la really hates san diego but san diego really doesn't like la and so this is just part of this is part of that and to be able to beat the dodgers is is bigger than beating you know the, the Mets, let's say. <laughs> and then when you add that, uh, you know, the Clippers ended up in L.A. and, of course, the Chargers ended up in L.A. And, and there's uh, there, there's that, that push and, and tug which when they come down and the Dodger fans usually come down and really show out, too. So to beat the Dodgers was big. And, uh, you know, Peter Seidler, um, Padre fans won the, the owner lottery when Peter Seidler took over. They didn't win it when Dean Spanos and the Spanos family was here. Peter Seidler, he wants to bring a championship to San Diego, and he's proven it time and again. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman, and our guests this week are Scott Lewis from Voice of San Diego, Jay Paris from the Coast News, and the San Diego Union-Tribune's Jay Posner. Jay Paris, going to you, you know, every game night, it seems like bars across the county, they're just packed with fans. I mean, they're doing chants. People are seeing Padre flags outside their homes and cars. What is it about sports or even this Padre team that seems to be bringing the community together, or at least some people? Nelson Mandela said it best, you know, sport has the power to change. And uh, you can go into a, a bar or a tavern or, or watering hole during a Padre game, and you'll have three guys sitting there, and one could have a let's go Biden hat on, one could have a let's go Brandon hat on, another guy have a let's go Padre hat on, you know, and all three of them can sit there and watch the game and, and pull for each other. It's, you know, I, I don't know if we've reached the show me your lightning bolt stage where uh, when people rallied around San Diego when the Chargers were making their Super Bowl run, but there, there's just something about wanting to to be with a winner. You know, everybody likes to, you know, stay loose and run with a winner. That's, that's the slogan. And, and it's a great boom uh, economically for the hospitality business. That's for sure. They, they took it on the chin during COVID. So it's great. They're getting some business back, but you know, if you want to get a good bar stool at your local watering hole for a Padre game, you better get there early because it's going to be packed. And Scott Lewis, what are your thoughts here? Well, I think that all community is about a shared story. If you think about the best conversations you have with anybody, it's because you've had a shared experience with them. So let's say it's a book club or it's a a volleyball game that you all have. And then you go back to the bar and you talk about what happened. Oh, can you believe he dove for that? Or the dog came and pooped on the (laughs) field or whatever. You know, there's just this like shared experience. And when you have a shared experience, you have something to talk about. And shared experience is everything for a community. And I think, like Jay said, like there's very few things where we share a story now in such a clear way, a story of villains, of characters, of you know the same story arc of a climax and a resolution. And when you experience, when a lot of people experience that same story, they're able to have amazing conversations about it. I mean, I was at that game Saturday and I'm hugging People I've never met, I don't even know their names. I'm, I'm high-fiving. My voice is still kind of raw from that night. And I think everybody is, is experiencing, when you experience the same thing with a community, that's where community thrives. And so, so, you know, I think it's a lesson for us all. Like, what other institutions, what other things can create uh, an enterprise dedicated to excellence like this has been the last six years, can do the investment that that's required, and then share the story as well as this has been shared across the community uh, with all the different media so that there's more things that we can share together and rally behind. But there is something so special about sport and how well they contain that story uh, and resolve that story and tell that story. And that's what we're experiencing right now. And it's only getting more intense. And Scott mentioned this earlier, you know, for many years, the Padres were known as being a small market team, not willing to spend the big bucks like the Dodgers or even the New York Yankees. But that's been changing in recent years, right, Jay Posner? I mean, despite every national commentator still saying we're a small market team. We are a small market team, but that doesn't mean that that the Padres can't spend money. I think what they've shown owners around baseball, and, and maybe some of them aren't happy about it with their fan bases, is that even if you are in a small market, that doesn't mean you can't spend money. These owners get a lot of money from, you know, national contracts and, and that sort of thing. And if you and if you invest in your team, the Padres have shown they drew almost 3 million people this year, which is, you know, 37,000 people a game, I believe. 
and it's it was the second largest attendance ever at Petco Park. The only year that was larger was the year it opened, and obviously there was a curiosity factor involved there. So these owners that came in, led by Peter Seidler, uh, Ron Fowler was the point man for a while, but uh, Peter's been the big money behind it. And like Jay Paris said, it's a situation where he's decided he wants to bring a championship to San Diego. And I, I think, you know, I think part of it is the Chargers leaving. The Padres are the only professional sports team, uh, major professional sports team left in San Diego. There's a big opportunity to take advantage of that. And I think the Padres were trying to do it when it when it happened, but they, they spent money back in the 15, 16 uh, time, but they didn't spend it very wisely. So then they tore it down and, and decided they were going to be in it for the long run, and they, and they preached patience, and, and I think most people bought into it. Uh, 2020 was an exciting run for a short season, but the fans couldn't be there, and, and I was out at some of the playoff games that year, uh, even in the ALC, I was at the Petco for the American League Championship Series, and it was just this odd scene where team the team's celebrating on the field, and, and there's just no noise, and it's just different, and it's been so much better to have the fans. This is the first time that postseason baseball has been at Petco Park in front of fans since 2006. That's a long time. It's almost a generation of people that have never been able to experience that. And this, it's because, you know, mostly because these owners, uh, led by Peter, made a big investment. Credit to them. I don't know if it's sustainable, but, you know, if they put a good product on the field and they keep performing like this, it just, it just might be. Although the prices have gone up quite a bit on tickets uh, in the last couple of years. Jay Paris, go ahead. That's for sure. They have gone up. Yeah, the days of the $5 park at the pass are long gone, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. But I also <laughs> want to think it's it's kind of a false narrative to say San Diego is a small market. Maybe it is in some media rankings, but with streaming and all the different platforms and the way uh, way consumers uh, get the product, get baseball. I mean, it's a big world out there, and and uh, it's kind of I think Mr. Seiler too looked looked toward the future and said, you know, a media market may not be L.A. or New York, but we can get the word out. We can make enough money we're going to bring a championship here. And uh, there's a lot of people rooting for Peter Seidler. I know there was once talk of building a Fernando Tatis statue someday. I would put my money on there's going to be a Peter Seidler statue out there someday. Well, and let's let's touch on that. You know, one of the amazing parts of this Padres story in this run is the fact that they've done this without one of their best players, Fernando Tatis Jr. He missed the earlier part of the season with an injury. Then he was suspended 80 games for a positive PED test, and it ended up losing the trust of a lot of Padre fans along the way. Uh, Scott Lewis, do they even miss him at this point? I mean, where do you see this going? I think a lot of people uh, like me uh, think pretty regularly about how cool it would be to see him come up behind uh, Machado or Soto in, in the lineup. But I do, I do think it's had a cost. Uh, my daughter uh, used to want uh, uh, his jersey, and now she wants an Alfaro jersey. You know, she's, and I think there's a bigger, broader sort of not moving on, but I think um, it's okay that you know he's not here right now. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens if he can come back and. And make a difference. Uh, I think that it's a it's a testament to how well uh, they organize the team that they can get this far uh, without him. And I think uh, just going back to the point about Seidler, it is really special 
uh, to see what he's doing. But I'm also not willing to concede yet that he's losing money or that this is all a loss for him. I, I think that um, in my version of heaven is that I'd get to know everything about everything in the world, be truly omniscient. And if I could pull up, the first thing I'd pull up is the revenue and costs of, of Major League Baseball teams. Because I think all these playoff games, all this merchandise that they've organized so well and branded so well, the City Connect uniforms, everything has gone so well that I, I'm willing to bet that he is, he is fundamentally disrupting the economics of these teams and maybe showing that there's a path um, maybe at least to break even with all this spending. I, and again, I don't know because it's a closed book right now, but I think uh, yeah, the Tatis signing was was further proof to the rest of the league, to people like Soto and others, that they're willing to go far. And, you know, hopefully Tatis could be another part of that long-term story of, you know, a problem, uh, a uh, acknowledgement of vulnerability, if he can really stick with that. And then, you know, a redemption story that everybody loves in sports a lot. And so we'll see if that's the path that goes or if he's if he's not able to uh, melt back in. All these playoff games do do lower the, the suspension um, cost for next year. He'll be back earlier and earlier every game they play. And uh, I'm, for one, looking forward to seeing him back. But I'd rather uh, stay focused on the moment, you know. And I know there's much more to get into there, but we've got to move on to the next question. Moving away from the Padres, you know, we know that they're not the only local team in the playoff hunt right now. In their first season, the San Diego Wave Football Club, they found success on both on the pitch and in the stands. Jay Posner, how have the Wave been doing in their first season? Well, I, I think there's another story that's testament to, to good management. And the, the first thing the Wave did was to hire Jill Ellis as their as their club president. And, and Jill was the, the national coach for a long time, won a couple of, of World Cups, and, and obviously knows her way around around the sport. Uh, it's difficult to come in and, and start an expansion team, and they were even a year behind uh, what most expansion teams would do. There was talk they might even not play this season and wait another year to, uh, to play. Uh, but Jill did a great job. She... She hired Casey Stoney, who you know might be the best coach in the league. After in just one season, I, I would be surprised if she was not voted Coach of the Year in the National Women's Soccer League. She she came over from England, has done a wonderful job. Uh, the biggest thing they did, and I think this is the the key to their success in many ways, is is getting Alex Morgan. You know, one of the best players in the world, one of the best American players ever, a Southern Californian. She wanted to come back and play in Southern California. And it's just been a perfect, a perfect marriage, if you will, of, of player and city and situation all coming together at the same time. She was the leading scorer in the league, and she's also a, she's a superstar in the sport. And I think that really helped in terms of getting traction for the wave, getting them to be able to sell, uh, sell out Snapdragon Stadium for their first game. And I, and I think even more impressive than selling out the stadium for the first game, was what they did for the playoff game last week, which was to get, I think, 20, I think they announced a crowd of 26,000 for that game. To be able to sell that many tickets for, you know, for women's soccer at this point says a lot about sort of what people are looking for. And, and I think for the future uh, of the franchise, they have a tough game this week. They're in the semifinals of the NWSL playoffs. They have to go to Portland. Portland has a superstar of their own in Sophia Smith. The wave has, has been a big story, and and it's it's kind of gotten lost a little bit in the Padres' uh, postseason here. I think we were planning to do more on them in the last couple of weeks, but it, it got they sort of got run over a little bit 
by the Padres. And I should mention also the, the San Diego Loyal, which is the, the second division men's team here, is also in the playoffs this weekend, and they play a home game on Sunday night uh, in, the, in the start of the, uh, the USL championship playoffs. And going to Scott Lewis, you know, Scott, the last time we had you on, you talked about the big jump or the big risk that the wave took moving into Snapdragon Stadium, the big house. But in watching a lot of national sports talk this week about the Padres, one thing that I've heard a few times is, you know, Chargers are gone. Padres are the only game in town now. But we know that that's not true. I mean, why do you think that is? And do you think media needs to do do any better here? Well, I think you know, the wave is new, and and they made that big decision to move into the the big stadium. The loyal, the the men's team that Jay just mentioned, did not want to move into that stadium. And there's various economic and entrepreneurial reasons about what they want in the stadium. But one of the things they didn't want is a bunch of empty seats. And for the wave to come in and fill the stadium as they have was just very impressive. And they they were very smart about connecting to the community. They had a challenge to make sure that the local sports leagues, uh, girls soccer across the region, could sell tickets and try to you know beat each other and who got the most uh, girls to go. And there, there were so many families so excited to go to those games. And this is a soccer town, really is, especially youth soccer is just so big. And they've they've expertly tapped into that, the marketing department. And it's just so special to watch, again, another uh, entity committed to excellence. Women's soccer is, is roiling with scandal right now about abusive coaches. This club started with a very... Um, uh, progressive vision to to make sure none of that was uh, tolerated and in fact that there was a different culture built here and to embrace everything so well and to take on such an amb- I just love ambitious bold investments in in projects like this and and to see the Padres pursue excellence like this and now the the loyal in their own version and then the wave in this version is just so special and and Snapdragon Stadium frankly uh, I think really benefited to open with this club, not just the the football team at SDSU, because I think the the soccer team has really shown what it's capable of as a, as a venue as well, and uh, it's just it's been special to to see it all come together. And as we wrap up here quickly, quick answers, 10, 15 seconds. Padres are going to be playing three games in Philly starting this weekend. Any expectations, Jay Posner? You first. Well, I, I think it'd be pretty unlikely to see. Either team sweep the weekend series. Uh, so my expectation is that clear your schedules for Monday at 5 o'clock because I think the Padres and Phillies are going to be playing at Petco Park. And one team is going to is going to come back here and be playing that night for a chance to go to the World Series. Yeah, pitching-wise, I got the Padres one and two out of three, which means on Sunday a bunch of scratchy throats are going to start happening around the region because everybody will want to take off work and get down to the Padre game early on Monday. But I think the, the strength of the pitching here by the Padres is going to be the difference. Yeah, same thing. I actually think the Padres will win the next two. The the third after that is going to be a tough one, but um, I, I think the pitching advantage now takes over. Uh, the, the Phillies have two great pitchers, but we have three, and we'll see how that goes. Well, there's watch parties for both the Padres and the Wave, so check them out. And we're going to have to end it there for this week's edition of KPBS Roundtable. And I want to thank our guests so much for being here, Scott Lewis, Jay Paris, and Jay Posner. Be sure to stream our show anytime as a podcast. KPBS Roundtable is produced by Andrew Bracken. Adrian Villalobos is our technical director, and I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for being here with us. Have a great weekend, and go Padres and Wave. Wave.